0: All right, guys, we're going to be recording here in a minute. As soon as I get the video started and my dog starts crying.
1: Are you for real? So let's talk about this because so much of our national conversation, which is not a conversation uh, about immigration, is driven by people who could not care less about immigrants. Often people want to say, Why aren't you talking about the border crisis or why aren't you talking about it in this way? Well, we're talking about it. They just don't like how we're talking about it because it's not a border crisis. It's an imperialism crisis. It's a climate crisis. It's a trade crisis. And also, it's a carceral crisis because, as I have already said, even during this term and this president, our immigration system is based and designed on our carceral system. Those are some of the problems. what about the solution? Well, number one, our solutions need to be rooted in foreign policy because our interventionist history in foreign policy and history over decades of destabilizing regions drive people but people don 't want to have that conversation. secondly, let 's talk about the climate crisis because the US has disproportionately contributed to the total amount of emissions that is causing a planetary climate crisis right now, and but who is bearing the brunt of that? it's actually not us we help create the problem but disproportionately it's the global south it's south asia it's latin america that are going to be experiencing the floods wildfires and droughts in a disproportionate way which ding 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 has already started a, migra- ding, 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 has already started a migration crisis but people don't want to have that conversation. <laughs> then we have the issues of trade, which economically contribute, uh, can have contributions to uh, some of these conditions that add fuel to the fire. But people don't want to have that conversation. They want to say, what about the surge? Well, first of all, just gut check, stop. Anyone who's using the term surge around you consciously is trying to invoke a militaristic frame. And that's a problem. Because these, this is not a surge. These are children. And they are not insurgents. <laughs> Okie dokie. <laughs> um, what was that? What was that? What was with all the eye movements? All the... And all the... <laughs> whoa What was all of that for? I just don't understand. Oh, my God. She make me laugh.
0: All right, guys. I don't know what that was either, but... What I think it was... was... Alexandria Castillo cortezs latest drunken Instagram... Um, now in her last, uh, one of her last famous or infamous Instagram videos, she accused Ted Cruz and others of trying to have her murdered. She didn't go that far this time, but she's... What he was talking about there was there was a lot of like zooming in on like her eye, like as if she I think she learned a new button on her uh, camera phone or on her phone camera on her phone camera, and she was doing like these extreme close-ups. But there was something where she was saying uh, one our number one. And she put her finger up in the middle of her forehead to break right up against her skull. I don't know what the hell that was about. But if anybody out there knows uh Alexandria Casio Cortales, please tell her to stop drinking and Instagramming. Uh this is Americana the American Way. I'm Big John. Uh you can find me on Parlor at the real Big John. Um on, maybe on Rumble if I can get the videos to upload to Rumble again, and of course on YouTube and uh, podcast platforms like Anchor FM. Uh, right now, you know, like, share, subscribe. Remember all the shit I'm supposed to say about these videos and podcasts. Uh, so, all right. So invite, invite, wake the neighbors, call the kids, get everybody tell everyone, tell your friends and whatever. Something that, that's, that was kind of uh, an American institution, icon, Americana, party of the American way, was, um, uh, from around about 1953 till 2017 or 18 was, uh, Playboy magazine, uh, founder Hugh Hefner, uh, became a cultural icon through, uh, lavish parties at his mansion and in, in, uh, started in Chicago. Actually the first Playboy mansion was in Chicago. Uh, and then he moved to LA and bought another mansion out there, uh, But the uh, Playboy magazine and lifestyle was always a part of the American way. Uh, Your dad or grandpap or uncle or somebody subscribed to it. And as a kid, it seems like every American male had (laughs) the story of uh, stumbling onto his dad's Playboy collection. And that was one strange thing. People kept Playboy magazines, uh like never threw them out. Well guys, I don't know too many women that did. Uh but that, that was part of the uh icon-ness of Playboy, iconicness. And Hef Hef as he's known, was the uh the uh Guru of that lifestyle and it it really was something that that was He wanted it to be portrayed as a lifestyle. He Wanted people to think that he was really uh, This playboy character that he had always had multiple girlfriends and he was actually married several times Um, But a lot has come out since his death uh, after Holly Madison, uh, broke up with him, the, she was the, um, she was the number one girlfriend and they had the TV show, um, that was a TV show called, me and my grandma used to watch it. Um, there was no nudity on it. I mean, it was on cable they blurred things out. Um, the girls next door so, and Holly was like the A girl, she was the one that actually slept in Hef's bed at night, and it, it, it was strange, um, but things that came out after his death, you know, and some people came out during his lifetime with stories, but it, it really makes him seem like a creepy, shady character, um, so I'll give my opinions, i I went through many articles online and I can't remember where I pulled each of these from, but the, you can find these easily if you Google it. Um, the first thing that I found that was interesting or odd was, uh, his second marriage to Kimberly Conrad. He had two more children, uh, Mark Marston and Cooper, um, whose arrival would transform the mansion into a family homestead, at least until Heff and Kimberly split in 1998. Then it was back to the devious ways, while kids stayed with Mom in a house down the street. But the kids would visit every once in a while, and when they did, they'd shack up in a bunny's room. A room number three, to be exact which had three beds, a private bath, and one of Hugh's many girlfriends already living there. Yeesh, the writer said. So you got these young men, teenage boys or younger, shacking up in the same room with a female. That's not the worst of it, so don't worry. Uh, Number two, every night is an orgy, sort of. The Playboy Mansion had a bizarre set of rules. The women who stayed there, uh, for the women who stayed there, there was a 9 p.m. curfew. Uh, The bunnies weren't allowed to have other boyfriends, although they often did. So if you were staying at the Playboy Mansion, you were viewed as Hugh Hefner's girlfriend. At one time, there were like seven or ten that he would, you know, take out on the town, uh, to clubs, movie premieres, uh, whatever, and you were given the perception that they were all his girlfriend, and that he slept in the same bed, the same room with all of them, um, it's not necessarily true, there was one girl that was like the A girl, the number one girl, and she stayed in his bed, oh, disgusting, but, um, And then the others were just kind of eye candy. But they were expected to participate in these orgies. Um, The writer said perhaps the strangest of all would be the nightly orgies that took place in Hef's bedroom. Well, sort of. Here's how a former Bonnie describes the scene. Two huge television screens projecting... Graphic porn lit up the otherwise dark bedroom. In the middle, a very pale man that would be Hef, tending was tending to his business. The girlfriends, in various stages of undress, were sitting in a semicircle at the edge of the bed. So these girls would have to sit there, uh, undress, make out, while Hef. Uh, smoked a joint, uh, not his trademark pipe, and he would pleasure himself while he watched the girls undress, uh, make out, have sex, whatever. Creepy. Uh, he hated the repression of post World War II America. Um, he said, "Half this is half himself speaking." I look back on the Roaring Twenties with its Jazz, Great Gatsby, and the Pre-Code films as a party I somehow managed to miss, he told the magazine. After World War II, I expected something similar, a return to the period uh, after the First World War, but when the skirt lengths went down instead of up, I knew we were in big trouble. It turned out to be a very conservative, serious period, socially, sexually, and politically. I just thought there was another way of living life. This is where I talked about the playboy lifestyle. You know, the women are there for eye candy. You're supposed to have multiple sexual partners, which he may or may not have. Um... It may have just all been a show for an insecure, narcissistic guy, from what I've been reading. Under all the conservatism and the repression, there was a yearning for something different. That's the reason the magazine was successful, and why people embraced it from the very outset. Uh, Yeah, that's kind of true. I mean, you know, there were people living in America post-World War II, you know, the the wholesome family, Leave it to Beaver, Andy Griffith, 1950s, the way we see, you know, we always picture the 50s as black and white, that post-World War II era from, you know, like 1946 until 1960, uh, as, you know, a real conservative stage in Americana, and Hef wanted it to be different. Uh, and that's why he started the magazine in 1953, and why he think it was why he thinks it was embraced uh, so much. Um, here's something really interesting, though. He lost his virginity when he was 22. So I I I beat half to the punch. I was 18. Of course, well, a few years in between us, but uh, he said his first time was with. The woman who would become his first wife, Millie Williams, with whom he engaged in two years of foreplay before sealing the deal according to The Sun. In an interview with The Sun, Hefner revealed he was saving himself because at the time he was serving in the army while his wife was studying in college. Maybe he feels like he missed out on something in his youth, but the guy apparently made up lost time because he supposedly went on to bed more than 1,000 women. That's according to him. But who's counting? Um, how could I possibly know over 1,000? I'm sure Hefner told Esquire magazine uh, when he asked his, about his number. There were chunk, chunks of my life when I was married and when I was married I never cheated I don't know about that but I made up for it when I wasn't married okay dude whatever you say uh, you have to keep your hand in I don't know if you're keeping your hand or what else you're keeping in I don't think your hand goes there um, so it says I had he says I had literally Saved my life for my wife. After we had sex, she told me that she had an affair. half revealed to the son. That was the most devastating moment in my life. The infidelity reportedly occurred while the couple were still engaged. My wife was more sexually experienced than I was. After that, I felt the sense that the other guy was in bed with us too. That's a little heart-wrenching maybe almost makes you feel sorry for him Um, but they were engaged they weren't married kind of makes you think of him in a different light when you think uh, he he was one of he could he critiques conservative people and the conservative lifestyle of post-World War II but What's more conservative than waiting till you're married or at least engaged? Interesting. And maybe that affair that she had, if you want to call it that, triggered something that uh caused some of his promiscuity or problems sexually in the future who knows I think there's a lot more to this guy's past than what we know and we'll never know now that he's gone where his childhood growing up of course he's not somebody I put a lot of research into or anything just found all these articles, went down a, a a rabbit hole, so to speak, no pun intended, um, on YouTube one day, and found all kinds of news and things. After uh, my original podcast buddy and I were talking, and I said, "You yeah, know, not everybody lives the the Playboy lifestyle," and he said, "Yeah, Hef didn't even leave, live the Playboy lifestyle." So I started looking up what he meant by that. Uh, Anyways, uh, a fellow playmate, Isabella St. James, claimed in her autobiography that her experience at the mansion wasn't as pleasant as outsiders may be led to believe. But in Bunny Tales Behind Closed Doors at the Playboy Mansion, these books always have really long titles, she explained that the girls would get paid their $1,000 allowance from Hef himself every Friday. This is kind of ignorant. That's what I'm looking for. She writes, we had to go to Hef's room, wait while he picked up all the dog poo off the carpet, and then ask for our allowance. Um, When Holly Madison moved in, she brought dogs with her that were not housebroke. So there was, like, dog shit all over his bedroom floor, evidently. Um, pretty sick. And Holly Madison's really critiqued half after she left the mansion. Um, you can read her book, uh, was it Down the Bunny Hole? Um, or you can get it on audiobook and listen to her read it. It's impressive, she knows how to read. Uh, but, uh... You know, she, she was always all about, or, pardon me, Holly Madison was always all about, I want to marry Half, you know, all this stuff, I want to have babies and live at the mansion and blah, blah, blah. From that sounds of things, like when it comes to the nightly orgy ritual, uh, and she talks about what sex with Half was like in one of these other bullet points I have, uh, wasn't that great. And he mostly pleasured himself while watching porn and bunnies, as they're known, make out. So, anyways, but uh, she writes, back to this uh, Isabella St. James, she writes, We had to go to Hef's room, wait while he picked dog poo off the floor. We all hated this process. Hef would always use the occasion to bring up anything he wasn't happy about with the relationship so this is when you know there were multiple girlfriends and if you stayed at, well there were always multiple girlfriends except for the times he was married but when he had like six seven girlfriends and you know they would have to line up in the bedroom or sit on the edge of his bed while he went to a safe and then he would critique the girls. I didn't like the, that red lipstick on you the other day. Maybe I shouldn't give you your allowance. That's pretty ignorant, because these girls are living with you. That's like extremely ignorant. Pardon me, because the, you know these girls are living there. You tell them you live at my mansion. You get paid a thousand bucks a week for living with me and pretending to be my girlfriend, which is pretty warped in its own in itself, in my opinion. And then you're paying them cash every week, and then you use that time to critique them. Uh, Some say that he used it to turn them against each other. Um, This uh, Isabella goes on to say, Most of the complaints were about the lack of harmony among the girlfriends or your lack of sexual participation in the parties he held in his bedroom. So, like it said before, every night in his room there was, you know, some kind of sex party orgy where he watched. Um, Hugh Hefner's Play- Playboy Bunny's Heartbreak, Heartbreaking Confessions from Abuse to Humiliation Sexual Rituals. All of the women living at the mansion were expected to have sex with Hefner who had a bizarre nighttime routine, it's claimed. Holly Madison said girlfriends would change into identical pajama outfits bare beforehand, pardon me. Hef, who died in 2017, would watch porn, smoke weed, and masturbate while the girls would kiss each other around him, she alleged. That's been alleged previously in my little research thing here Holly said they would take turns pleasuring Hefner, but he always finished by himself so the rumor always was that he was like real paranoid about one of these uh, Random girlfriends that he was paying to live with him would get pregnant and then he would be responsible for uh, them and a child Um, Holly went on to say there was zero intimacy involved no kissing nothing so when they did have intercourse with Hef himself, they weren't allowed to kiss him. So this is supposed to be your A girl, your it girl, your number one girl. And while making love, you don't even kiss her. She's, uh, she wanted to say, it was so brief that I can't even recall what it felt like beyond having a heavy body on top of me. Uh, Kendra Wilkinson, who was a girlfriend... At the same time as Holly Madison was the A girl, uh, found sex to sex so under unbearable that she couldn't stay sober for it. She said, "I had to be very drunk and smoke lots of weed to survive those nights. There was nothing, there was no way around it. It's pretty pretty messed up. These girls are looking for a break in life." Their, they're kind. They he pays for their plastic surgery, nose jobs, other jobs. Okay, you can take a guess, um, and you know a lot. Holly er, Holly was like twenty-two. Um, this Kendra Wilkinson was eighteen when she moved into the mansion, and they all met Hef at one of his wild. Uh, orgies when he, you know, they would cover most of the yard with a tent, have disc jockeys and bands and celebrities, and they would have these girls dressed up, and I think that's how Holly and Kendra met him. Kendra for sure, because Kendra was um painted with body, wearing nothing but body spray, body paint. Um, so anyways, his former valet... Now, this guy did more than park cars for Hef. Okay, this was like a valet, like a personal, a very personal assistant. Um, He said, Hef's former valet reflects on, quote, pig nights with hookers and Hef. On certain nights, Mr. Hefner had prostitutes brought up to the mansion, and he would entertain them with a big dinner Invite his friends to come participate in different intimate acts with them. This is some sicko stuff. I mean, you know. It just is. You know. It's a very insecure guy. Trying to buy friendship. With sex and money. Here's how I see this. If it wasn't so nar- narcissistic and mentally ill, I would almost feel sorry for him. Um, back to the quote I found here. Um, and it was called Pig Night. Sometimes the women had. Wait a Sometimes the women had penises, and Hef didn't want to be involved with it. So sometimes they brought transvestites back by accident. Although some of the other guests, especially John Belushi, they didn't mind. Wow. Wow. So sometimes the women were in drag, I guess. And... Uh, some of the guests didn't mind. Heff wasn't down with that. Wow. Um, Hef most of the time never had sex with the women. He was more interested in watching. Well, this is where it gets really weird. He would hire famous male porn stars, including John Holmes. He was like a really famous porn star from the 70s, I think. Um before my, well, I was four years old in 1980, at the end of the 70s, uh, anyways, he would get these guys with huge things, and watch them have sex with different girls, he brought in, Hef sat there in his favorite chair, smoking a joint, eating red licorice, and watching, how creepy is that, you're eating licorice, smoking a joint, and watching, I had to go into the room afterwards, and and if the girls couldn't walk, sorry for laughing at that, I would escort them to the bedroom so they could recuperate. Hef sometimes gave bonuses to the women because the sex acts were so painful. That's really gross. It's really ignorant. I mean, you're taking advantage of women that obviously have a problem, Uh, financially and mentally because you're this big, famous, important guy, or at least you portray yourself to be. This is where it gets even worse. Allegedly, this valet guy could be lying. I was not there. He always filmed the encounters. He had two large video cameras over his bed and he had these giant screens across from the bed the, he had a whole library of sex acts with different people, and the video librarian told me Hef planned to use the footage against his associates if they ever threatened to come out with a memoir about him or the mansion. So, he was saving this as blackmail material, uh, against these guys or friends of his that were, uh, having sex with these prostitutes while he watched. With friends like that, who needs enemies? Again, it could be a lie, but it's not the first time I heard this. The first and most famous copy of Playboy is uh the Marilyn Monroe issue. It was the first issue and Marilyn was like the biggest female star in Hollywood. Um, this one is called, He He Ripped Off Marilyn Monroe. One of Hefner's earliest dirtbag moves was screwing over sexy sweetheart Marilyn Monroe. In 1953, the Gentleman Prefer Blondes star became Playboy Magazine's first playmate of the month. For Monroe, this was not the honor Hefner chalks it up to be. Reportedly, without her permission, I've heard that story many times, he acquired and printed the photos from a nude calendar the actress posed for in the past. Monroe was paid $50 for the photo shoot, not for the magazine appearance. She got paid nothing for being in Playboy magazine's first and most famous issue. Uh, half paid $500. Dollars for the calendar to the calendar maker for the rights to the pictures According to high sobriety that debut issue of Playboy sold 50,000 to 65,000 copies at 50 cents a pop Those were huge numbers at the time so Monroe essentially put half on the map and lined his pockets Monroe and Hefner never even met. She was gone, sadly, before I came out to California, he told the India Times, or the Times of India. That's a newspaper, evidently. Um, Yeah, and he had a big crush on Marilyn Monroe, as most guys from the 40s and 50s did. Um, And even up through the 1960s, until the Kennedys and or the Mafia had her killed. Um, Marilyn Monroe was voted uh, most beautiful woman of the 1900s. The 20th century. Um, she was a gorgeous woman. Beautiful, beautiful woman. Very, very insecure. Um, she had... One of the when plastic surgery was in its infancy, she had a nose job, which was um it could either go really good or really bad at the time um and Hef loved her so much he uh he bought the cemetery plot next to hers or the mausoleum pot plot next to hers, so he's buried next to Marilyn Monroe um so that's, that was Hef in Maryland. She she never met him. He never met her. She never got compensated for putting Playboy magazine on the map and launching the, the biggest multi-million dollar media conglomerate maybe in history, at least the most famous, maybe not the biggest. Um, he also took advantage of Vanna White the same way. One of the 1987 Playboy covers was Wheel of Fortune's one and only Vanna White. Based on her squeaky clean image on the game show, this may sound uh, implausible, but don't put anything past Hugh Hefner. Like Marilyn Monroe, a young cash strapped white had done a lingerie shoot to make ends meet and Hefner later bought those photos. It was on the cover because I wanted it to be white. I wasn't on the cover, pardon me. I wasn't on the cover because I wanted to be white Told Wendy Williams. She even asked Hefner, who she considered a friend at the time, to refrain from publishing those pictures from her past. I said, Hef, you're going to put me on the cover. My career could be ruined. They did it anyway so here he is this is supposedly his friend I don't know if she ever got compensated for this probably not because if she took compensation that would be giving her approval and she didn't want that on there now I remember when that came out I was really young so I didn't uh, see it originally but later on I think I did uh, Vanna White and Pat Sajak and Wheel of Fortune were like the big, one of the biggest game shows on TV, and this is like, uh, it was like controversial because Vanna White was squeaky clean, oh my gosh, Vanna White is posing for Playboy, that's what everybody thought, remember there was no internet, so you know, unless you watched this Wendy Williams show, or you watched or read a, a magazine article where she uh, tries to clear her name and said, "Hey, th- these were photos I took a long time ago, when I really needed the money. You thought that you were going to get to see Vanna White nude in Playboy until you bought it, and it was just a lingerie, well, just a lingerie spread, just a lingerie shoot." So, last creepy thing. Good old Bill Cosby who we know may have been one of the biggest serial rapists in history now, if all the accusations are true. And uh, Cause was convicted by a judge and jury and sentenced to jail. So, uh, a woman claims Bill Cosby sexually assaulted her at the Playboy Mansion in 2008, added Hugh Hefner to her lawsuit claiming the playboy King Penn knew about Cosby's alleged predatory behavior, but did nothing to protect her, reported TMZ in May 2016. According to the victim, it was Hefner who introduced her to Cosby, and the suit alleges Hefner had a habit of inviting young and impressionable and possibly minor children to his residence. And providing alcoholic beverages, so Hef may or may not have been a accomplice to one of Bill Cosby's sex capades. Um, so this is a guy that a lot of us grew up kind of looking up to. I wish I looked up to him, but a lot of guys did. You know, you are supposed to live the playboy lifestyle. And, you know, Hef was always known for um, this uh, red smoking jacket or red bathrobe. And he had a TV show. I don't know if it was in the 50s or 60s or when. Uh, but it was in black and white. And a lot of times he would sit there interviewing different celebrities and people. uh, And he'd have this smoking jacket on. Uh, He, at times, um, was famous for just lounging in his pajamas all day with a red robe on. And and it wasn't just, like, for show. He, like, really did this. Um, The valet guy that I talked about, you know, said that Hef had this thing for... um, Campbell's Chicken Noodle Soup. Cold Pepsi. And I forget what kind of candy it was Hef liked. But that was like Heff's ritual meal. He had that like every day. And if the Pepsi wasn't cold enough, he would send it back. And this is like a really narcissistic person. Like When I was watching the, um, the Girls Next Door show... He had uh, another valet or guy It was like the head of the household that whatever the guy's saying was whatever they want, they get. Whatever Hef wanted, you had to get it for Hef. One time, they were at an event. I think it was actually called the Playboy Jazz Festival. And the girls saw people adding a beach ball around in the audience so instead of just going out and getting a beach ball they actually this uh valet guy different than the one who talked about the porno orgy things pig nights different than that guy um this guy had to go out in the audience and it was a hot day so they bribed somebody with an official Playboy bottle of water in exchange for their beach ball so that uh, Hef's girlfriends could uh, bat the beach ball around for a couple minutes themselves. And uh, during this Girls Next Door show, Playboy was at one of its peaks, you know, it, its high, one of its highest points after it was kind of going downhill once the internet came along. I mean, who cared about print magazines and stuff anymore? You could pull up naked pictures of lots of pretty girls online. Uh, in fact, a friend of mine used to say if it wasn't for porn, the internet would have never taken off. And he's probably right. Um, but anyways, uh, Playboy magazine is now gone. I think the a lot of the assets, I mean, he, the dude had his own private train. Like a fancy old-fashioned looking choo-choo that he would drive down the railroad tracks from the mansion or wherever it was, L.A. to Sacramento or San Francisco and stuff like that. Um, You know, of course, he had a private jet with a bed in the back. And a lot of those assets were being sold uh, in his last years because the magazine was back on a nosedive once um, the whole Girls Next Door TV show fad faded off and... Polly Madison left them, uh, the other girls left them, uh, and stuff like that, so, but you can see why, I mean, as some people grow as human beings, they're like, okay, this was really fun for a few years, but you're not going to marry me, I'm just being used as arm candy, eye candy, whatever, for, you know, you to make yourself look bigger and more important, And a lot of the things that came out after he died, um, I don't know why they didn't come out when he was alive. Maybe because he had blackmail material on a lot of people, it sounds like. But, well, some of it did. I mean, there were tell all biographies while he was alive and articles and things too. Um, But, it just paints the picture of a very insecure narcissist. Um, he didn't, never looked really, you know, big. Like, I'm ginormous. I'm 6'4 and 400 pounds. Um, he always seemed kind of small. Even in his, you know, his younger days. Not just his elderly days when you expect him to be, uh, you know, little and fragile. Maybe he was suffering from a bad case of little man syndrome and trying to make up for it. And he certainly did. I mean... He lived a a crazy life that a lot of people think they would enjoy. I mean, there was a time when I thought I would enjoy that, but I'm getting old now. You know, it just seemed like a lot of, well, he had people waiting on him hand and foot and doing everything he ordered them to do. So, you know, me, I'm a hands-on person. You know, when I put on an event, not an orgy, not that kind of event, people, get your minds out of the gutter. Uh, but when I put on a shindig, you know, I, I put it on myself. I take a lot of the responsibility and such. But uh, yeah, man, definitely a definitely a different look at Mr. Playboy Hugh Hefner. Somebody we always thought was more of a class act than uh, some of the sleaze balls that are just prou- sleaze balls and damn proud of it, like Larry Flint. And uh, the punk that used to make those Girls Gone Wild DVDs and VHS tapes. Where they'd get a bunch of college girls sloshed and get them to strip down and make out with each other and stuff. We always thought Hef had more class than those guys. But creepy, insecure bastard. Always a creepy, insecure bastard, I guess. So, I just want to do something that wasn't political. It's kind of getting boring. Um, a lot of things are beat to death. Um, as AOC said, you know, in her latest drunken Instagram video, there's a crisis at the border. Um, I don't know if she even knows how to approach it correctly, but when you're drunk, young, and famous, you can say whatever you want to on Instagram. And apparently, when you're old, senile, and... uh Rich, you can either be president or you can be a pervert and live at the Playboy Mansion. (laughs) So, uh, yeah, Joe Biden had millions of dollars many years ago. Gosh, only knows (laughs) what the White House would be like, right? So uh, he does have millions of dollars now thanks to his son Hunter's shady business deals, but so anyways, guys, God bless you. I feel weird talking about God after reading all that filth and cess and disgusting. But that's when we need God the most in this world. So pray for each other. God bless you. Um, have a nice day. <laughs> Sorry, no jams to play out to tonight.